Welcome to HackerPod. I'm April Lynn. And I'm Josh. And this is the journey of two young indie hackers. We'll recount the good, the bad, and the ugly of building profitable online businesses. You'll hear about our successes, and more importantly, you'll hear about our mistakes so that you don't make them. Hello, hello. It has been a long time since we recorded our last episode, and it's very nice to see you again. I know. I missed you. It's been a long time since we've talked in general, too. That's, yeah, yeah. I was on, not vacation, but I was traveling for a bit, so I was, you know, away, but also, you know, with people that I don't usually see, so pretty busy with that. And then I was on vacation before you were, so right. there's no overlap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like a lot has changed in the past couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very quick, <laughs> all the time. Every right. week is different than the last. Right, which is which is super fun. You know, it's, it's part of this lifestyle that I've come to really appreciate and enjoy is that no week is the same, you know, all that monotony of time to do this all over again, right? That I see sometimes in my workplace is definitely not apparent here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, April Lynn, what is different than yeah. a few weeks ago? Man, okay, so the biggest update I have is that after a long time of reflection, I have decided that I'm going to quit my job. Oh my, I, I need this, but yeah. still, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, cue the, the, uh, the fake reaction reel right now. Um, yeah, well, you are very brave because everyone wants to do that. Everyone right. talks about it. Everyone dreams of it. What made you actually decide to do it? Yeah, so it all starts with Twitter. So, um someone dm'd me on twitter saying that he liked my account and he just sent me some like twitter accounts that he think that i would you know appreciate connecting with that he also sent me an episode of the indie hackers podcast that he said that i should listen to because he said that i might resonate with it and you know i thanked him but i, I didn't really listen to the podcast until my flight from dallas back to denver which is where i live now and on that flight, I listened to that episode. And man, I almost started crying during that because so much oh. of it just resonated with me. Like I, I, I felt it. I felt it so much. And it was it was episode with Lynn Tai um, of the Indie Hackers mm-hmm. podcast. And just so much of her journey, I saw myself in. And she she said something, which was life is too short to do something that you don't love. And I thought, mm-hmm. like, yes, yes, it is. And, you know, I had been, uh, you know, thinking about the idea of quitting for a while, but never really very seriously up until that episode. And then I started thinking, okay, logistically, if I were to quit, what would that look like? Can I do it? And yeah, I, I went from there. And there are so many things that I considered. I actually, I, I even, I reached out to Lynn via Twitter as well yeah and she she actually got back to me which was awesome and she sent me this list of resources so like speeches and articles and blog posts that really helped her find more clarity during her decision as well 
Um, and so I was looking through those as well. And yeah, it's like, with, with every new article and or speech, my resolve to quit grew stronger and then brought it up with my parents. And that was a whole thing. Yeah. How'd they take it? I think they were confused at first. And it's, I think my, my mom has known that, you know, I'm taking Tenderfoot more seriously and I want to, you know, explore entrepreneurship a, a little bit more. And however, you know, both of them take education very, very, very seriously. Uh, and I think when in terms of my, my job currently, I have a very cushy, stable finance mm-hmm. role. And I feel like many parents want their children to be in roles like that because they're safe, they're making a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. they, they feel like a successful parent because their kid isn't going to starve. Um, yeah. And so when, when you have your kids saying, I want to change directions, I want to give this up, it can be a shock at first. Uh, and, but what I want to explain it more, and here's the overall plan, right, is to quit my job in the next month, hopefully on my last day be July 17th, and then take a year to see how far I can go working for myself, primarily focusing on tenderfoot. But also, this is pretty exciting, moving into YouTube as well for YouTube content. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. That's right. And so I'm thinking I'll do, I'll, I'll probably have, have a vlog about what life is like after quitting a cushy finance job and working for yourself. I kind of document that process on a daily basis, uh, but then also have more content i'm thinking about i'll start by converting some of my twitter threads into videos right and see kind of how that goes and i've never done anything with video before ever um Mm -hmm. so i've been talking with some people about how to get started and what that's like but when i mentioned all this to my parents i think the biggest thing that got them on board was me saying that look I have a lot of skills. I'm a strong writer. I'm very creative. I, I can do marketing. I can design, right? I, I love talking with people and learning their stories. And yes, I'm also good with numbers and quantitative analysis. But And Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, and Excel, right? <laughs> but that is just one small, small area of my overall skill set. And I told them that in my current role and in the foreseeable roles in the future within corporate finance, I'm not going to be challenged in all of the ways that I want to be challenged. And I actually feel a little bit stifled in this mm-hmm. role because there are so many again, of these skills that I want to challenge and grow and learn more mm-hmm. about, right? And explore. And I can't do that here. And I think them hearing that I felt restricted because obviously every parent also wants yeah. their kid to reach their full potential. And so I think once they realized that I wasn't here, that got them kind of on board. And, you know, a couple of factors in this decision. One, they agreed to let me stay at their house for a year. So obviously that's super nice. That's huge. It's huge. Saves right? so much money. Exactly. So I don't have to spend on rent 
or a lot on food because they'll probably feed me as well, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel very lucky to have that type of relationship with my parents. It's interesting because when I was younger, I didn't have that type of relationship with my parents at all. It's really been something that I've, since I was maybe 18, I've been working yeah. very intentionally on building back a solid relationship with both of my parents, mm -hmm. um, which has been great so far. A lot of therapy has been done uh, yeah. to, help, to help that out. And then something else, though, that's like a pretty substantial downside is that I got a $10,000 relocation bonus as part of my package for work. And mm -hmm. that, and that was given to me post-tax. So it was about 7,000 that I actually received after tax, yeah. but because I'm leaving less than a year after, um, I have to return that pre-tax. So even though I just received 7,000, I have to give them back 10,000 and gotcha. I will hopefully get some of that remaining 3000 back during my tax return next year. But for the time being, that's a lot of money Yeah, that, <laughs> that I won't have anymore. And I'm trying to scrounge together that money because a lot of it I'd already put into investments. I don't um, want to take it out because that will re realize some losses. I don't want to realize yet, right? They're more long-term holds. Mm -hmm. So try to figure that out. That's going to be rough. And, you know, $10,000 is a lot. And so I started thinking maybe I should just stay with it until the year is done because then I could keep that money. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I was talking with someone else on Twitter, actually. I, I, I made a tweet, which was basically we hear all the time about, uh, you know, hopeful entrepreneurs putting their jobs and going on to, you know, create wildly successful companies. Is there anyone out there who regretted their decision to quit and got some really insightful responses there? And I reached out to some people for further conversations. And so I was chatting with this one woman about it and kind of going through the thought process. And she did regret her decision. But I think one of the main differences is one, she was older. And so a lot of the energy that comes with having to hustle, she didn't mm -hmm. necessarily have a lot of that anymore. Versus me, I mean, I'm 22. I'm like bursting with energy. I have too much energy to know what to what to do with, right? Yeah. Um, and two, she did like her job within finance, and I don't. So I think that that's also a pretty big difference as well. Anyway, so I was I was talking with her about this ten thousand dollar bonus. And the thing is, is that if I were to stay at City, um, I probably the next exit point would be August 2022. So that's mm. a long commitment. Plus I would have to move to New York, which means that if I want to take the offer of my parents and move back to Denver, that's another move. And I just realized that it working, giving myself a chance for a year was more valuable to me than that $10,000. Like I'm willing to give that up. Mm -hmm. I think that that burden of giving up that you know, substantial lump of money uh, really clarified my, my resolves. Like I'm worth this. Like I'm worth it. I'm going yeah. to do it. I would pay $10,000 and much more to give myself a chance. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I back up and ask you some questions about, you know, you, you talked about work and right. 
how, how you're frustrated with it. Um, and I know I'm frustrated with work too. And a lot of people are, but can I hear specifically like what parts of it just aren't vibing with you? And like, do you have coworkers who really enjoy it? And do you see differences between you and your coworkers who are enjoying it? Yeah. So I'll start. It's um, so the current role that I'm in right now without getting too technical is in treasury and it's 100% in Excel and dealing mostly with processes that happen on a recurring basis. So our mid-year forecast, which happens every year and, you know, asset attribution process, which happens every month. And so it's a lot of very cyclical processes. And I learned that VAU work isn't, or business as usual work isn't the best for me. I'm a much more project oriented person. Um, and while I'm good with Excel, I am, I don't want to be in Excel <laughs> all of the time. Right. Yeah. And right now we're in the process of interviewing this is, this is a rotational program. So we're in the process mm-hmm. of interviewing for an exhortation. And so I've been interviewing with lots and lots of different functions and teams within finance at city and the people are some of the people are really, really great. And I could, I could see myself like really vibing with this person and enjoying working with them. But in terms of the content of the work itself, mm-hmm. it's just not something that I'm passionate about. It's just not something that excites me, right? It's like, how much do I really care about net interest revenue? Yeah. That's not my own. Like not very <laughs> much, right? And I just, I just, I, I, I tried, I tried so hard to care about the work that I was doing. And when I'm in these interviews, I tried so hard to care about the work that I would be doing, but I just, I struggled to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, even in a role that allows for more, you know, presentations or, you know, exposure to our CEO and CFO of all of city, which there are roles that allows for that exposure or more uh-huh. PowerPoints, right? It's, the, the content of the rule itself, it's just, I feel like I wouldn't be, again, challenged enough in, mm-hmm. the, in my skill sets that I want to grow. And I just don't care enough about the content of the rule itself in order to stay engaged. Gotcha. So how do you respond to people? So I, I'm imagining someone, people in my life, I know that they would respond to that with, oh, then why don't you find another team or role within City that, you know, is more project oriented and you would like to content more? Um, because I hear about a lot of my friends who don't like their role at a big tech company and they just try switching teams over and over again. Um, so how would you respond to that? Because you're doing the complete opposite. You're like, right. no, I don't, I don't want to deal with any of this company. I'm just gone. And, and again, nothing bad to say about City. Like I, I love City as a company. Their culture is incredible. Their, their new CEO is incredible. Like she is amazing and she's breaking all sorts of new records for women mm-hmm. in finance in general. Um, however, if I, I'd say if I wanted to explore another team, um, within finance, I have, right, by interviewing with all of these yeah. different teams within finance. And I've realized 
although some of them sound interesting, none of them really excite me and none is something that I, I see myself doing in the future. So mm-hmm. why have, you know, a, why, why take a temporary job within a team if you don't find yourself doing that in the future? That's one. Two, if I were to change teams completely, so go from finance, say, to like marketing within city, I figure if I were to make that much of a jump, why not just go back to working at a startup? And that's kind of the goal here, right, is to take a year. And if after the year I'm not self-sustaining or I don't see a clear path to becoming self, self-sustaining, then I'm going to find a role at a startup because the so something else that frustrates me with very large institutions like City is that the pace at which things change mm-hmm. is very slow for good reason, right? There are lots of reasons why it has to be slow. But at this point in my life, I want to, I want accelerated learning and Mm -hmm. I won't achieve that for the most part in a role that sees like, you know, a a year long project, right? I want a project that I can do in a month and then another project. And then by, by that year, I've done 12 projects when I would have just done one. And I mean, I've worked at a startup before. I've loved it. And that sort of culture is one that I see myself fitting into much more than one at a corporate finance role. Wow. (laughs) I'm so happy for you. This sounds like it's going to be amazing, man. Yeah. Oh, Ah. man. I'm so excited. And that's the best thing. I was was thinking about, like, my life, right, which is something that I think all of us think about from time to time is our lives. And... I mean, I liked school, but I didn't have any friends, any classmate friends. I had one really good friend. She went to a different school. I loved school because I was good at it and I loved the teachers, but I never really vibed mm-hmm. with the people. In elementary school, I thought, you know, it'll, it'll get better in, in middle school. In middle school, I thought, oh, it'll get better in high school. In high school, I thought, oh, it'll get better in college. And I enjoyed my college experience, but it was only after I graduated and I think got, got into Twitter and met incredible people like you, Josh, and lots of oh. other people that I've met on Twitter. It's like, I found my people. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that I, I, I belong with. Yeah. That I've been looking for. And I'm just, oh. I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm the most excited about life than I've ever been. And I want to take advantage of that right now, as opposed to, waiting for a couple of years in a role that I know is not for me and then deal with it later you know it's like the, the time is now oh you're gonna make me tear up <laughs> this is awesome this is yeah. so good to hear I'm so happy for you ah yeah. man it's gonna be so cool and ah, you're gonna kill it like you going into YouTube just makes so much sense oh my yeah. gosh I'm so, so much good. nervous did the oh. content the content's literally gonna make itself like you're gonna be like I quit my job and that's literally all you have to say and people are gonna be like oh my god april Lynn is sick yeah well I, the, the thing is is that with with my with, with the vlog segment of my youtube channel i hope to give other people who might be in my shoes um you know who are in maybe a a nice cush, cushy job that they feel comfortable in but are considering that jump 
and hopefully giving them some clarity as to honestly what that process looks like because I don't know what that process looks like I'm you know I'm trailblazing it through mm-hmm. it might work out it might not but I want to be very mm-hmm. transparent in that journey and you know serve as almost like a, a roadmap or a guideline or someone either yeah. seeing that and said like yes I love what she's doing or that was a mistake. I'm definitely not going to do that when, when it's my turn to quit my job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, you tried, which is more than, which yeah. is what everyone wants to at least be able to say. So exactly. Like it's, I, I, I don't think I would forgive myself if I didn't try. And that's also like a, a big, a big determinant of this is the time because e- even if I tried to stay for another year, I feel like my mind would be so preoccupied by like, what if I had just taken that jump? What if, what if, what if, that I wouldn't be very effective in my role anyway mm-hmm. during my day job. So yeah. And even, even if I quote unquote fail, failure isn't the worst mm-hmm. thing, right? The worst thing for me is boredom and feeling unfulfilled right and feeling Mm -hmm. like I could be so much more than I am and that feeling of stagnation that's worse to me than failure because failure it's like you fail but you could try again and you could try again and you can Mm -hmm. learn so much through that process so even if you know tenderfoot fails that doesn't mean that my time working for myself was a failure because I have learned and grown so much during that process Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And then I guess in terms of transparency, overall finances, I, I have around $30,000 saved, Mm -hmm. um, by saved they're mostly in various investments between, you know, stocks and crypto, um, just that I haven't gotten more, (laughs) more, uh, advanced. You start, you start trading options. Oh yeah, and and options, just a, a, a very tiny <laughs> bit. Um, so, and then ten thousand of that obviously needs to be given back to city. Mm-hmm. So that's twenty k that I'm leaving myself with. Um, and again, I I don't want to take out too much of it because it is invested. And I don't want to realize losses on certain things that are long term, but it does give me a nice enough cushion, right? So that, you know, it's yeah. not like I have $100 in my pocket. So that's, that's also, um, you know, a, a, a consideration when, when you want to leave your job, how much money you have in the bank. Yeah. That sounds like, I mean, you got your rent covered, you got your food covered. Yeah. What right, are like your expenses? My, my student loans. Gotcha. Yeah. Primarily student loans. And then, um, equipment so I have to get like a a ring light and a high quality camera with a tripod I'm going to do some research into some more equipment I've been I've been speaking with some people who've been on YouTube um, and saying I'll probably make a YouTube video and a Twitter thread about equipment when starting YouTube (laughs) I I feel like I do pretty well with like meta type of content Um, but Mm -hmm. uh, so those types of expenses and I've also been told that it's it's better to outsource your video editing as opposed mm-hmm. to doing it yourself for a variety of reasons. One is just, it's really easy to get burnt out. Two, you you do want to produce your content, you know, on a consistent basis, and you might start to dread it if you know that 
you know, I'm going to film this amount, but then I have to spend countless hours editing this small yeah. video. And so I'll, I'll probably start out seeing how much I can do myself, but that will also probably be an expense in terms of, you know, outsourcing that video editing. Have you looked into how much and hiring an editor costs? Because I've been looking into that as yeah. well. So my Norwegian streamer friend, um, he says he pays 700 euros a month for a daily video, which oh, wow. isn't, you know, I, I was shocked. So I'm like, I had yeah. no idea that it was that affordable. And I think that the reason is that there's a lot of supply in video editors um, that outweighs the demand. So prices can be a little, a little bit cheaper. Yeah. That's like $23 a video. That's right. sick. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Sounds like you got a lot of it worked out. Right. So cool. anyway, that's me. I've spent a long time rattling on about myself. What's new with you, Josh? God, nothing as big as that. <laughs> um, we, we watch is doing well. It's uh, I've been taking kind of a break. I, I still push updates, but um, I've been taking, a, uh, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I've been lazy about documenting what I've been doing. Um, but since we last talked, I never mentioned this, even though it's happened a long time ago, but We Watch was app of the week in a big Netherlands publication. Um, you know, word of mouth spread on Twitter and some journalists got a hold of it. And then through that, I was able to get my first attempt or slash offer at monetization. Ooh. So yeah. That's huge. I know, I know it was like, the ultimate validation, like I can monetize this. <laughs> yeah, so what, what, what would that monetization look like? So it would be a referral program, uh, pretty standard, but it's what I imagine fits uh -huh. really well with my app, uh, where a small streaming service would list them. I would list them as a provider of, you know, the movies that people are looking at if it's available and then give people the opportunity to buy the movie from my app. And then I would get 10% of all purchases slash slash subscription signups. 10%. So, that's, that's a pretty hefty percent. I know. That's huge. I, know. <laughs> you know, I was expecting like 2%, but this is 10% is a lot. I know. I know. I know. Um, so that made me really happy. I, uh, also have not done anything about it <laughs> which because i i've been prioritizing a lot of other stuff um because not to get too technical but you know if i want to expand my database to serve more than movies there are a lot of things i have to change about how you know my entire app is structured which i've been doing and is a very long and not annoying, but like tedious process. Um, yeah, a lot of that work is tough too because it's not work that your um, that that your users can directly see. You know, it's not exactly. visible, and so it's like I know that I'm working, I know that I'm pushing these updates, but it feels like you're not doing as much because no one can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I've been like abstracting everything so that instead of you're swiping on movies, you're swiping on objects 
and that object happens to be a movie in this instance, and, and in this other instance, it happens to be a restaurant. Um, and I keep beating myself up about it. I tell my buddy David all the time, I'm like, oh, I should have just done this from the beginning. And he gives me a really nice response. He says, well, you just made it for you and your girlfriend. So I don't see why you would have done that. I'm like, that's, yeah, that's true. true. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that and I'm almost done with it. Uh, it's been a long process. It's been like three weeks of refactoring and restructuring and, you know, really planning things out better, which I haven't had to do yet. Um, so once I have all that figured out, I will get back to the small streaming service who I've explained this to them and they're okay with it. Um, and they're like, yeah, just reach out to us when you're ready to do this. Cause we want to do this. Um, yeah. So I, I, I want to learn more about how that, that deal or process came up. So they found you on Twitter and they gave you an email or a DM or what, what happened there? Yeah, they sent me an email. They sent me an email from their like company email. It wasn't at gmail.com. So that was exciting. <laughs> I know that's not the big thing, but it felt big to me. Right. Um, so they emailed me and it was like three lines. They said, hey, we are a streaming provider in the Netherlands. Here's our link. We want to offer a referral program. Um, if you list our service in the app, we'll give you 10% of all purchases that come from your app very straightforward right wow yeah <laughs> yeah no nothing else no negotiation that's incredible just, yeah yeah they did not play hard to get <laughs> yeah wow nice. maybe i should have played a little more hard to get i don't know i, don't I mean 10 percent <laughs> is still like a lot that they're offering you so absolutely that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. and now in total um i have four million swipes i'm uh wow people people love swiping out <laughs> i have i had to upgrade my database from three thousand movies to eight thousand because people just went through all of them right um, now people are going through all eight thousand where where do you get your movies from yeah i get it from an api called the movie database they just offer it for free um it's pretty nice so why yeah. why stop at eight thousand? But why not already offer you know fifty thousand or one hundred thousand? Yeah, because because I'm only putting up movie. So if a movie, there are movies that aren't released. There are movies that are in different languages. There are movies that are only available in um, one area in one language. And honestly, I have not built the infrastructure to account for all those cases. So I'm filtering out a lot of those cases. And then secondly, my database is free right now um, because I'm, I don't have that much to store. Mm -hmm. And so I am trying to keep my costs as low as possible because, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah eventually right eventually that will be the case so what are your next steps then in reaching back out to the service in the netherlands so my next steps are i a need to make sure that my entire restructuring is complete because i do not want to have these because starting to think about how I place things right now, I just list things alphabetically or I list them by popularity. 
So adding in the infrastructure to like push this streaming provider before all the others is going to take, you know, a little more restructuring. And I do not want to add on to the monolith of restructuring that I'm doing now. Right. Um, so first I have to finish that one. Then I do not want to reach out to them until that second restructuring is done. And then I reach out to them and the process is easier from there. They give me a database, a, a JSON document, and I just pipe them in and fit them into structure that I've already created for sponsorships to exist. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that this, this will hopefully make it easier for any other sponsorships to arise as well. Right? Yes, exactly. Which is why I'm putting so much work into it before I accept this first one. Cause when the next one comes along, I'm like, okay, easy. Right. Nice. Wow. I'm, I'm so excited for you. That's huge. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we have, we watch, which is going well, lots of a very important behind the scenes work coming along. We have a potential monetization strategy coming along as well that you're supporting, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, what else is new? Yeah. Um, I've talked to you a lot about this in private. I've talked to a lot of my friends about this. I complain about this all the time because it eats away at me every night. And it's that I wasn't sending push notifications. And I wasn't collecting emails from the very beginning. But now a few weeks ago, I finally got that up. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have everyone's email. I don't have everyone's uh, push notification token because some people just they have the phone, they have the app installed and they're not going to open it until they remember it to. But, you know, I can't push them to remember it to. So, right. yeah, but whatever. Uh, anyway, I've gotten a couple thousand emails from nice. in the last few weeks and a couple thousand, you know, permission granted to send them push notifications. So I sent out my first push notification campaign about three days ago. Whoa. Yeah, which was because I have the normal push notifications like, oh, this person sent you a friend request or like your friend is swiping, find what to watch with them or you right. got a match. Um, but I've never like just mass sent a notification to, to people prompting them to, you know, basically just give me their attention. So that was really scary. Um, but it ended up being really successful. Well, yeah um so let me tell you what i was trying to do okay i had the ability for people to write movie reviews for since the beginning but i wasn't showing them for a long time just because i was prioritizing other things and i was like yeah i'll let people write these reviews and when the time comes they'll be there to show and well the the time finally came for me to show these reviews on these movies and i did but now I was like, well, now there's bigger incentive for people to write the reviews. So I would like to remind them that they could write reviews. And well, the only way to do that is through the push notifications. So my goal was to increase the amount of reviews that were on movies. I had 49,000 at the start of the campaign and it didn't go up very often. Um, 
I get like a few a day. So then I, this is why I think I was successful in my push notification campaign is because I really narrowed down who I was targeting. So I made sure that I only targeted people that had already reviewed at least one movie. Nice. And then, and so that was one cohort. And then the second cohort was people that marked a movie as seen, but haven't rated, rated it or reviewed it. Uh-huh. So I sent two push notification, like chunks to the first group, the people who have already reviewed a movie, I told them, Hey, you saw this. Why don't you be one of the first people to review it? And so I sent that to like 200 people. And then to the other, the other cohort was 400 people. And I sent them, Hey, you watched this. What did you think of it? Write a review now. And that was it. It was really simple, but I, from only reaching out to 600 people in like 12 hours, I got 400 new movie reviews. Whoa. Yeah. Which is amazing. Right. That's great. Uh, That's huge returns on, you know, the amount of people I reach out to versus the amount of content I got from it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that really speaks to like the rule that people pass around that 1% of the people make 99% of the content. Right. (laughs) You know, if I, if I just push that out to everyone, honestly, I'd probably see around the same number, if not a little more. Um, So yeah, it was really cool to go through that process of narrowing down who I'm targeting, tracking the, the reviews before and the amount of reviews after. Um, yeah, it felt like a super legit campaign that I was running. I had like a spreadsheet and I was marking data and I was looking at what was coming in and yeah, it was really successful. So I was happy about it and hopefully it'll make me less shy to blast other people. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So how much did, did you know about push notification campaigns before starting this? Not much. And I put out a tweet a few weeks ago that said, hey, I have, I'm now sending push notifications. I'm trying to look for any gold standard on push notification campaigns. Cause that exists for like email marketing that exists for, you know, most other forms of marketing. There's like a general guideline. But I kept looking them up for push notifications and there just wasn't much. It was really vague. It's like, send them at a good time. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) thanks. Super helpful. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone who responded, responded with, yeah, I'd like to know too. I'm like, okay, great. So (laughs) no one knows. I guess this is still pretty new. Um, I don't know. Push notifications I read only started becoming accepted more accepted to people who received them in like 2016. So I'm like, yeah, I guess email marketing has been around a lot longer than that. So of course there are more defined standards. So I didn't know much. Um, I tried looking for uh, some videos and there were some, and again, they're, they're really big. So what I ended up doing is just studying the push notifications I get I try to turn them off as much as I can, and I literally forget to. I'll like just ignore them a thousand times before I end up getting rid of them. Right. So I was like, 
I was like, let me look at what they're sending me and why they're sending it to me. And I would ask Alana, my girlfriend, to show me what push notifications she's getting. And they were all kind of doing the same thing. They would personalize as much as possible, uh, which is what I did. I would like reach out to people and I'd say, hey, username, you watch this movie. I would put the title of the movie in. Um, why don't you review it? And, you know, that is as personal as I could get it. And I'm like, you right. literally did this thing. Um, so I did that. And I guess the next step, which is just marketing in general, I guess, I took this from what they recommend for any campaign is really narrowing down who you're sending it to. And those are the only two criteria I went by, but they worked out pretty well. So nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Cool. So do do you think you'll be doing more push notifications in the future? Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of I've been thinking about that and I'm like, well, yeah, I want to um, because obviously it works, but I'm like, well, I need a really clear goal because right. this time it was to increase movie reviews, but I can't just do that over and over again because um, I would get annoyed if some app was like, hey, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, right. I already did, dude, relax. Um, so I need to think of other campaigns. Um, someone recommended to me that on a Friday night, I, I'll just like message two friends, two users the same message, like, hey, you and blah, blah, blah should find a movie to watch tonight. Here's a recommendation. I'm like, maybe I'll try that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I would like to. I just need to make sure I'm not annoying people or doing something useless. Right. For sure. Cool. Well, that's an awesome accomplishment. That's also been happening. Um, so, so many good things are happening this week. And then I also saw on Twitter that you were invited to do a podcast. Oh, yeah, I was. Randy Box on Twitter, her at is Rand underscore RAS, R-A-S, reached out to me and we had a conversation a month and a half ago where we just met each other and she's cool and we've become friends. Um, and she is also building UCAST Media, which is supposed to help both podcasters and people looking for advertising connect. So naturally, she's making her own podcast, and I was invited to be the first guest for it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I gave us a shout out, so yeah. <laughs> I give you a shout out, so Woo. get ready get ready to hear that. Great, and how, how did it go? Like, what, what did you talk about? It went really well. I really liked the structure that she did. She did um, Fireside, really quick questions, like basic in the beginning. Who are you? Where do you go to school? what's your age what's your biggest fear just like six okay. or seven questions that went really quickly yeah was easy really fun. question what's your biggest fear starting out super easy <laughs> okay that one came at the end to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was it was really fun uh and it helped break the ice for the rest of the conversation then she just kept asking me about we watch um honestly she was a really good interviewer because it I was like, I don't really know what I'm gonna talk about, but naturally I found myself just not able to shut up. 
So right. she was really good at what she was doing. And then towards the end, she started asking me like more personal questions. So like try to encourage other founders who may be in similar like personal positions as I am. So that, that was really cool. Um, yeah, I think it went really well. It's uh, we recorded for like 40 minutes to an hour, but it will only be a 20 minute episode. So oh, I'll be wow. interested. Yeah, because she's like, that's just what we do. 20 minute episodes. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see what she cuts out, what she leaves in. And yeah, I recommend it. You cast media. Hear me out when it when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, I I was also the first guest of a podcast. Uh, we recorded that yesterday. Uh, it's called Talking Solutions with the Chesh um, by Will Ch Cheshire, uh, who I also found on Twitter from a while ago. I think we first connected back when I had like four hundred followers on Twitter. Um, and he loved what, what I was doing with Tenderfoot. I think the purpose of his podcast is to connect with founders who are uh, creating something that helps society, like solve societal problems. And so mm -hmm. the, the solution that we were discussing with Tenderfoot is getting more students exposed to value creation through startups. Mm -hmm. um, it was so fun. Like we, he, he'd reached out to me about it again, back when I had 400 followers. So a while ago, we just recorded the episode now, but he used to be a, a radio talk show host. Um, oh. so it was, uh, it was fun um, to have that experience and you could find him on Twitter at chesh tech underscore. So C H E S H T E C H underscore. Um, He's, he's starting to build out some more content around founders and, and, and really building out his brand. So I was happy to be a part of it. And I love talking about Tenderfoot and about myself. So of course. <laughs> so it worked out pretty well. And I think it's cool that we're both getting a bit more exposure. Um, when I first, I guess, started learning about influencers and social media you know it was something that like I always was like ugh, you know I I, yeah. I never wanted to be a part of that content creation what the heck what the heck? you know how can people do that and I think my perspective is really changing around that right with how much exposure you could get and not just mm -hmm. to help you but to help other people and how the content mm -hmm. you can create can really impact other people as well. And when I think about, you know, my, my future in the next year, and I guess, I, I mean, yes, working on Tenderfoot, but on the side, you know, becoming, a, or at least trying to become a content creator, it's, it's so strange because I, like, I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that's something that mm -hmm. I'd be doing much less interested in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear you. And I have the same thought as well, because I've been thinking of like, just making, I see all these YouTube videos that are like day in the life of a software engineer or, you know, code with me. And it will literally just be someone doing what I already do for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then they get, 
tens to hundreds of thousands of views. I'm like, well, I'm already doing this. Why don't I just record it? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I totally feel you. And yeah, it does. It also changes the perspective that I look at other influencers with because before I would watch people, I'm like, ugh, you're just trying to like get me to, I don't know, follow you, hit that subscribe button and like read, buy your book eventually or something like that. But now I'm like, oh, cool. You're like going for it. Let me, let me try to support you. You've just listened to HackerPod. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Joshua Fonseca. Or if you hated it, you can find April Lynn at April Lynn A.